If you've ever thought of quilting your own projects but just don't know where to start, I have the perfect first steps for you. I've put together a PDF guide. I call it Three Steps Toward Freehand Freedom. These are the baby steps, but they can help you move past your overwhelm and show you that yes indeed, freehand quilting can be learned. So if you'd like to snag this PDF, there's a link in the show notes, or if you're an Instagram user, just message me three steps. That's the number three, S-T-E-P-S, and I'll send you that link. Let today be the day you get started. I just want to tell you, I don't look at other people's work if I can help it. I look outside the industry of quilting to get inspiration. I don't copy. I try really hard to be inspired by fabric. Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast where we hear quilters and other crafters' stories and draw encouragement and even life lessons from them. I'm your host, Susan Smith, coming to you from my quilting studio, Stitched by Susan. This is where my long arm, Lucy, and I spend lots of hours doing freehand, edge-to-edge quilting. If you're not a quilter and those terms mean nothing to you, it's basically doodling on a quilt top with a 50-pound pencil with needle and thread attached at very high speeds. My philosophy is there's nothing as warm and comforting as a handmade quilt, and my mission is to get as many out in the world as possible. So I quilt for people, and I teach others to find freedom and joy in quilting for themselves. There are so many quilt makers and just as many stories. Quilting has been a bridge between generations, it has soothed loneliness and chronic pain, and it's been a beautiful expression of art and creativity that spans countries and cultures. Joining me today to tell us her story is Karen McTavish. Today's Pins and Needles is brought to you by The Will and Dave Show. Hi, I'm The Will Half of The Will and Dave Show, a short little podcast that myself and the eponymous Dave like to record talking about the things that really matter to us, whether that's social, political, or pop culture. Usually we don't see eye to eye, but more often than not, we can find some common ground in there somewhere. And now, back to pins and needles, with a quick tip for all you sharp quilters out there. One of my favorite tools when I'm sewing a quilt is my rectangular ironing surface. So a typical ironing board is made with a dressmaker in mind. So it has the curved end on it because that's helpful when you're ironing, say, darts or an inserted sleeve or things like that. But when you're making long straight seams on a quilt, it's not as ideal. So my little remake is very simple. I took a piece of plywood. You can have yours whatever size you like it to be, but two feet by four, four and a half is a good size. And I covered that with a layer of batting and then a layer of fabric wrapped that around the edges and stapled it securely on the underside. Also on the bottom I put a system of very simple rails the size of the original ironing board. So now when I set that new surface on top of the ironing board it's nice and stable and can't slip around in any direction. Now I have square corners and long straight edges that I can line up by blocks and my rows for my quilt as I'm pressing. Really, really helpful. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash stitched by Susan, where for the price of one delicious coffee, you're able to make a one-time contribution. This helps me get a better microphone, 
and enables me to keep bringing you these weekly episodes. Thank you so much for your support, and maybe take a moment now to refill your cup as you settle back to enjoy today's interview. Karen McTavish is a national, international award-winning quilter since 1997. She has sold over 80,000 copies of six quilting books. Karen has won many awards over the years as a fiber artist and as an innovator of the machine quilting industry. She's internationally known as the author of a style of quilting referred to as McTavishing and awarded Quilter of the Year in 2016 from the Minnesota State Quilters Guild. She currently owns and operates a retail working showroom for APQS Longarm Quilting Machines in Duluth, Minnesota. Karen is also a passionate solo kayak musky angler when she's not in the studio quilting. Welcome, Karen, into my studio. It's so great to have you here today. Thanks for having me. I am just fascinated by your work in preparation for this podcast. I've been scoping out your website and some of your videos and things like that. And I'm newer to long arming. I think I've been doing it about six years. But you've been here since before it became, you know, mainstream, right? Um, well, I started long arming when I was 32. And I'm so I'm 23 years I've been long arming. Um, so, yeah, I started before I actually knew how to quilt and my mom was the piecer in the family. Mm-hmm. And of course, she just kind of pushed me off the cliff. And that's how I started long arming. She just said, listen, you know, you could be a single mom and uh, you could work in the home and you wouldn't be fired from jobs. And, you know, because I was working in um, accounting and that's a really grim job for anybody who's a little creative. I was in a, a job that I didn't feel passionate about. And so I've always been sort of an artsy girl and quilting just kind of came naturally. And so, yeah, I've been, I've been doing it since, um, 1997 started quilting for hire right away. And then it sort of morphed into, um, trickling income and other venues. Like, uh, for example, yesterday I taught, um, a younger sewer how to use a sewing machine to create vintage like appliques and like so she would go out and buy all these vintage clothes and then yesterday I taught her how to applique on those vintage clothes repair and then I um and she took those old house coats and we made a crop crop top out of it It was really cool so by old house coat do you mean the polyester quilted type or the chenille kind no the kind that your grandmother wore as a house coat you know like totally snap on buttons in the back yeah and it was a crop top it was actually really cute not my style really but you know but and she's just selling them on her little e-commerce you know website so that's something i did yesterday this weekend i'm gonna go set up a long arm i'm i work um as a apqs showroom so i have a showroom i have four long arms in the studio half the studio is long arming the other half is sewing you know, cutting table, big ironing board, you know, domestic machines. And then, so this weekend I'm setting up a long arm. And then today somebody came in and and rented a long arm. And then while I'm doing all those little bits, I'm also custom quilting. So a quilt that can get done in two and a half hours, you know, is pretty, pretty easy. I mean, if you're renting, you want to be 
sort of renting a machine that's affordable and you could say you did it all yourself. We also have a computerized quilting machine in the studio and that is run by Cheryl and Cheryl's our computerized guru and she runs that machine during the week. It sounds to me then like you have a real community in your shop. You have a storefront, obviously, because you've said half of that is long arms and half of it is more um, the sewing process. So what's that community like? What kind of town size do you live in? What kind of people frequent your shop? Well, we're in northern Minnesota in Duluth, which is a um, little bit of a tourist area, a little bit of a university area. It's it's basically a town about 85,000. Um, a lot of my custom work I get mailed in from all over the country. Um, and people, of course, mail in our, for computerized quilting and all that. But um, people come in from all over the state, from North Dakota, Wisconsin, um, and they just plan a day here to quilt on a long arm or learn new skills. And a lot of people uh, come in for classes that already know how to long arm and then they just want to get to that next stage and they take a little bit more advanced class and we just kind of customize the classes based on need and based on passion so if you're a modern quilter we're going to focus on that if you're a traditional quilter we're going to focus on all those elements that you want to learn and I, I like to see what people are passionate about and get them to that stage right do you yeah. do you find that a number of your customers slash students are repeat customers do they you know do you see them start in the early stages and then the bug kind of bites and then they keep progressing and going on and on and learning new things yeah and and you want to learn the things that you feel joy you know about and then you just you just go crazy you know so there's all these tricks and tips and all that that I can teach somebody and then from there they just kind of uh go home and then keep focusing on you know not backpedaling just moving forward with Mm -hmm. your skill level and then that always keeps everything fresh and new so you do quite a lot of custom quilting but maybe um, for our listeners in case some of them aren't long armors maybe give us a few ideas of what different styles you see people taking up for example i love doing freehand edge to edge work that's where my joy is that's very different from Um, doing detailed custom quilting. So what are some of the styles that you see people picking up and and diving into? Right. So, for example, yesterday we had an advanced student come in and we did ruler work and we focused in on stitching in the ditch. And ruler work is basically very similar to domestic machine quilting where you put on your walking foot and you achieve that straight line in the ditch. And the ditch is sort of... um, you know, elusive. You're either in it, out of it, or trying to get back in it again, you know, and it's just kind of a nightmare. So some of the tricks that I taught this student who was here for eight and a half hours, we just had to um, quilt down her hexes, and they're really teeny, you know, little hexes. So we we, uh, went with a nylon thread, so we didn't have to color change. We're just trying to achieve the texture So some of the tricks with that is using a nylon clear thread to stabilize the quilt. So a domestic machine, you could do that starting in the middle of the quilt. And with long arming, we start at the top and work our way down, like like we're reading a book, you know, left to right, left to right until we're done. With uh, domestic machine quilting, you would start in the middle, work your way out. Um, The long arming is uh, pretty painless in terms of physical 
you know, pain. Your your feet might hurt. You might get a little stiff in the knees, but you're standing all day. Uh, domestic machine quilting, your shoulders hurt because you're moving around the quilt. Your hands get a little bit tired and you're gripping and you need those gloves to, you know, get control over your quilt. But um, some people are just learning the stitch regulator. And now I'm not a diehard to have to have the stitch regulator on person. I tend to just do straight line quilting and stitch regulated mode. I feel that it's easier to achieve your desired uh, freehand filler when you're a non-stitch regulated. I agree with you. You can go a lot faster. So you have to give up that perfect stitch. But if you've been quilting for a while, like a, a year, you kind of know what good quilting looks like and you can achieve really good stitch quality. So, Do you find with your students, I find this with mine to be true, that turning off the stitch regulator really forces you to learn to stitch smoothly and evenly. And honestly, that's a skill you need. And when you have that stitch regulator on, it can kind of mess with that a little bit. Well, if you're doing a curve, you know, you're hearing this sound that goes, you can't really, you know, feel smooth when that thing is, you feel the drag of the needle. And we have a really nice sensitive stitch regulator and, uh, but the sound messes with you, you know, you know, so I like just that constant speed. That's just nice and smooth. And um, that's where the fun part comes in, you know, where you can really play. Um, So I started back in the day when they didn't have YouTube and they didn't have internet in your home and they didn't have stitch regulation. So I was stitching in the ditch sometimes just holding my breath. They didn't even have rulers or any tools. So I was just like holding my breath and praying to God that that I nailed that border, you know. So I learned how to stitch or how to quilt without a stitch regulator. And so I have a really easy time going back to free motion, manual mode, constant speed, or whatever you call it. Since we're talking about things that are available, I'm I'm jumping off the script here, but there are so many tools available to the long armor now. So maybe give us a rundown of a couple of your favorites or a couple staples that a newer long armor ought to have in their studio, whether they're rulers or other tools. So the fundamentals of quilting, I, I really focus on that because that's what I, that's what was in the library and all the under quilting books. And the fundamentals came from the hand quilter. So the hand quilter said, when in doubt, stitch in the ditch. You know, don't skip that first border for sure. You got to nail that first border stitching in the ditch. Computerized quilting is awesome, right? But we can't guarantee that we can stitch in that ditch on a long border, like an inner border or secondary border. You have to actually do that, I guess. I guess it's unattached to the carriage, um, taking off the computer and going free motion. And so the fundamentals of quilting are do the hardest thing, never take a shortcut, and always do what a hand quilter would recommend. And back in the day, they would stitch in every single ditch just to get the thing stable, right? Um, Quilting up to a seam isn't as powerful as stitching in the ditch and then quilting up to the seam. It creates a barrier so you don't accidentally hit that applique-like leaf or go into a flower. 
uh, if you stitch around that that flower first and then do your background filler it just creates this um beautiful texture and it's a really powerful looking piece um now that's traditional quilting the you know the there's lots of rules and regulations and sort of sucks um and then there's modern quilting right modern quilting there is no quilt police there is no wrong way to do it in traditional quilting a judge might ding me on a fabric that appears to have a little bit of a a, a fullness like a little a little pucker like it, it needs more quilting so a judge was constantly regulating everybody's quilting and as a result it we have this quilted to death look right so Quilted to death isn't very comfortable on a utility quilt. It, it's pretty much like wall hanging stuff. How do you quilt an art quilt? You quilt it to death, you know, to death. Well, then the modern quilting movement happened in a very short period of time here. We're talking maybe 15 years ago when the mm-hmm. G's Bang quilters appeared. And there was no rule and there was no um, limitation. And, you know, traditional quilting, my mom would say, never um, leave a space bigger than your hand unquilted. And batting companies would say, you can quilt 10 inches apart. But why would you want to? Yeah, but the judge is telling me, I can't leave this, you know, one inch sashing alone. I just can't, I can't, I have to quilt in that too. You know, and they were like, yep, otherwise we would have given you a third place instead of an honorable mention. It just sucked. And so I don't enjoy um, competing. I feel good about everything I do because it's from my heart or from my gut. And I did the best job I could. And so I really don't need, like, validation. I'm at that point now where I don't need that validation. But in modern quilting, it's really cool because if you feel like you want to leave a big-ass circle in the middle of your quilt that isn't quilted, that's okay. And that and can I be love part, of the, part of the art, part of the statement of your quilt, yeah. for sure. It's there's, eye-catching. There's no rules. Like in traditional quilting, they're like you have to do a two-inch binding, um, hand hand done on the back and put in some piping and maybe you'll get an award. It's like, screw that. I'm just going to do what I want to do. Maybe I like facing. Maybe I like a big fat binding. Maybe I want, you know, a curve binding or a scallop or, you know what I mean? It's like, it's just a lot of freedom with modern quilting and you can't screw it up because you all you're doing is listening to your gut. You're listening to your gut. And that's what modern quilting is. What do you think you should do? You know, and it's the right thing. Can I ask, have you seen that change over the years that you've been um, involved in the quilting scene? You know, you have won lots and lots of awards, both nationally and internationally. But has that, have those demands changed? And is there a little more freedom now to to express yourself? I know I've heard other quilters say they face their quilts or they do different types of binding or whatever. The changes back in, you know, 2001 when I started winning my first awards they would uh, judges would make notes about um, beautiful quilting binding needs work you know and I would I'd hone my skills on binding like okay I know I have to do a better binding you know and I and you know it took me a good decade to get really good at binding right um, so I'm glad for those critiques right um, quilt quilt should lay flat 
those are good things to, to figure out, you know? Um, so I'm glad about those critiques, but now in judging, I'm like, my quilt is flat. My binding's supreme. Like I'm, I'm, I've kick at, I'm kick ass at binding now. Um, I worked hard to get good at those skills. So I'd never have to see those comments. There's a vagueness in um, judging now. Cause for example, if you're doing a whole cloth, no piecing, no, no seams, what are they, they have nothing to do, but look at your stitch length and check out your binding. So, and all they can say is, you know, overall impact. It's all about overall impact. So any quilt you have hanging in a show, it's a, there's a bias. So I'll just tell you right now, I love Pepper Corey and she's a really awesome woman. She's a friend of mine. I respect her a lot. Diane Godinsky, huge respect for her. Um, they're all sort of, their genre is machine quilting or hand quilting. They're judges. I respect everything they have to say, but I don't feel bad if Pepper Corey doesn't like my work because she likes people who bury their threads. On a long arm with a bobbin thread, that's just not realistic. I'm not, I'm willing to hand quilt. I'm sorry, I'm willing to hand applique or do hand binding and spend a ridiculous mo- amount of hours quilting. Unheard of, right? Mm-hmm. It's three, three, four weeks sometimes. I'll just quilt to, you know, quilt something and I'll spend so much time. It seems, it seems crazy, but Pepper Corey ba- likes to see, and she's looking for buried threads. That's her, her pet peeve, but that's not mine. So I'm not going to, well, you know, when she judges the show, it's fine. I already know that going in and I feel bad because most of these quilts getting judged are my customers. I'm like, well, Pepper Corey really likes it when you bury the thread on your stops and starts. And there's long armors that are doing that. And I just want to say that it's a hand quilting thing. One thread, bury it, you know, pop it in. But we have a bobbin, right? Mm -hmm. So a, a a really good stop and start is where you can travel over that stop and start, get back to it somehow. And then you kind of railroad, you just kind of backstitch over it and then clip it with a horizontal scissors. And it's, and it's in there. It takes a while to get out if you needed to. I agree. I, the truth of the matter is that we have to remember is that judges are human too. I was at a, um, listening to a speaker, well, you know, before the pandemic And she was demonstrating on one of her show quilts, and she has won many national awards. And she was showing how a particular element on it in one show where it was judged, the judges loved it and said, that's a great thing. And in another show where it was judged again, they said the opposite. It detracts. We don't like this. So her point was, you do what you love on your quilt. And judging is useful. The critiquing is useful, but it's not the gospel. Absolutely not. Yeah. I, the best comments I ever got were like kind of funny. Like the judges would say machine quilter appears to be having way too much fun quilting her quilt. That's, that's the That's the kind of comment you like to read quite honestly. Yeah. And, and it, it didn't, it didn't hurt. But when they tell you um, like they might make comments about your quilt with a technique that you didn't even use. Oh, that's, that's funny. How, yeah. And so do you have a good example? Like, I had a, so I'll just tell you really quick that 
uh, I have like five videos that were attached to books that I had published. Um, my publisher and I published like six or seven books. And then in 2015, they went out of print. My publishers retired. Um, those those book rights and those DVD rights are, are now mine. And they gave me full rights to use them. So all my DVD and uh, books are going to be in PDF and streaming on my website on June 1st. One of, the DVD, one of the DVDs or one of the PDFs that you can stream is Trapunto, everything about Trapunto. And it's a form of Italian stuffed work. And I do color Trapunto, basic Trapunto, and shadow Trapunto. Shadow Trapunto is where you have a thin piece of fabric that you can see through like Batiste. And then you put another bright neon color of fabric underneath it and you trapunto the piece and it looks like dyed batting. It's so, so beautiful. So what happened for um, me was that the, the judge said, great job on your dyed batting. And it was shadow trapunto. Dyed batting is really painfully hard because if you, if you get it wet, it's going to bleed all over. Right. So you have to use certain fibers that aren't natural, like um, acrylic felt is a fiber that's really bright. And it's the kind of stuff you use in Girl Scout projects. Acrylic felt is what we use as a main batting. And then and it's not um, dyed, but it doesn't bleed. So it's a great product if you're trying to achieve uh, shadow trapunto or color trapunto. But they, they thought that I had somehow dyed or painted and I was just like, that's fine. It's okay. If you're, if you're a judge, you're supposed to know everything in the world, including embellishments, too. So, so I don't know. It's your, sort of, I know that you're a hand applicator, too. What is your favorite part of the quilt making process? Or do you have a favorite? Does that change from week to week? So uh, I, I love modern quilts because they have a, a high use of plain fabrics. So plain fabrics, like, like just solid, solid and not, not yeah. painted. Mm -hmm. My favorite thing in the world is a solid, you know, so any kind of negative space or, or solid fabric, that's where my quilting's going to shine the most. I love Tula Pink. I love Kate Facet. I love Busy Prints, but you can't see anything. You know, you really can't. And so I'll give you a good tip on what to do with Busy Fabrics. I love Tula Pink, but if I outline like um, the designer, like Kate Bassett, there's a big flower, cabbage flower. If I outline that, chances are on the back, it looks like a kid was trying to achieve something. And, you know, it just doesn't look so good on the back. It looks way better if you just do straight lines, a diagonal line, a matchstick, piano keys, whatever you want to call it. Whenever I see super busy, I'm always going to do a straight line because if I try to outline it, it just looks like garbage, you know, on the back. I have to agree with you. I think the straight line is my favorite quilting motif ever because it does not compete. It does not attempt to compete with whatever else, whether printed or piecing. And I'll tell you another thing. Um, this is what I see. I, I'll just, I just want to tell you, I don't look at other people's work if I can help it. I look outside the industry of quilting to get inspiration I don't copy. I try really hard to be inspired by fabric. So I'll look at the quilt top when it comes in mm -hmm. and I'll wonder, is there any motif in this quilt fabric that I can use to make sense so the quilting can kind of relate? So I look at the fabrics and they tell me what to do. So I try really hard not to compare. I, I, um, I like um, more uh, 
musky fishing photos on Instagram than I do quilts because that's currently my passion. But um, so in regard to what do I do, what is the trend, all that, I will tell you that the fabrics tell me how to quilt. So when I get plain fabric, going back to the plain solids, it's intimidating, especially when, let's say, there's a, a lone star and you have that giant square four times and those big on-point mm-hmm. triangles. That, they freak, that freaks me out. It freaks me out because it's all me. I have so, to quilt that that motif in there that's perfect for the genre that's not too traditional and not too modern like you know so I'm really challenged by a lot of white space and so to me that's fun uh, the process for me isn't loading a quilt you know and just putting my needle down and go for it you know going for it and hope hoping for the best you know like I really do plan the whole thing out before it even hits my frame. I'm I'm light boxing. I'm drawing designs on paper. I'm putting them underneath fabric. I'm marking. I'm marking the fabric with the designs that I created, like with a Sharpie and a paper pencil. So the whole thing is marked before I even throw it on my frame. So I wow. try to have a well-planned looking quilt. So you you can tell the difference from something that's well-planned and something that's called graffiti quilting. Graffiti quilting is literally like, hey, I just found a train. I'm going to tag it with, you know, my, my, my art. We're doing the same thing with quilting. We're literally putting our needle down and showing off our style. Mm-hmm. So just to, to let you know, I just got to say this, get back to the DVD stuff. We finally, after five years, have got it in a streaming fashion, and it's taken forever to get it to a point where we can upload. So all my books and DVDs are now, like, going to be on my website, which is, like, freaking huge. I can't tell you how bad I've been ghosted by, like, tech dudes. I'm like, hey, I've got all this content, and I need it on my website. They're like, yeah, I'll totally do that. We'll circle back and put a pin in that and blah, blah, blah. And I finally – I've been ghosted for, like, five years on these tech dudes. And it's like, to be honest with you, I don't trust anybody but women anymore. Like, I only trust women to get things done because they pull through. And it's just like – it's insane how you want maybe your website to look really nice and all they want to, um, all these tech people just forget about your, you know, that you want to hire them. And so I've decided I'm only going to support women for the next like forever. Don't they say if you want something done, ask a busy woman. I know my mother totally. used to say that because I'm telling you, who gets things I'm, done. I'm done. If you're a dude and you, and I'm going to write you a check, I'm going to say, sorry, I'm going to ghost them because it's just like that's it's really hard to get things done when you like want. Hey, I want all this content on a on a streaming service like through Shopify or something. And but it's so stupid. It took me five years to get all that on. And then we're going to do some YouTube stuff, too. But mostly we're just going to give it all away and and we're going to have it available on a streaming can I ask in what format that's going to be available? So you're saying books and DVDs. So are there like video instruction or or the printed page, but you're just reading it digitally? 
Yeah, some people are visual learners. So the streaming service, the whole hour-long DVD on Trapunto is available for purchase. McTavishing is a background filler that somebody named after me a gazillion years ago. Let's dive into that one for a minute. I I was going to circle back around to McTavishing, but we're here. Let's do it. Tell us about it. So in um, 19, I don't know. I don't know, back when micro-stippling was like really popular, do you remember that? Micro-stippling. It was meandering. Then it went to a stippling. And then it went to micro-stippling. And all the domestic machine quilters could, like, slay with how tiny the micro-stippling could get. And I just felt like the judges were kind of yawning about micro-stippling. And so um, I just decided to try something new. And then it was, like, free motion sort of like looking like a curler that would come out of your hair, the curl. And and it would just look like free-flowing hair. And then um, when internet was available in people's homes, I joined a support group or whatever, and you would post all your work there. And uh, somebody saw my work. It was on, a, on an applique quilt. And they said, what do you call that? And I said, free motion Wonder Woman hair. I don't know, you know, like I couldn't, you know, I was trying to come up with something. And they're like, that's the dumbest name we ever heard. We're going to call it McTavishing. And there was like, yeah, we're going to call it that. And then somebody went to Alex Anderson and um, pitched my stuff um, for Simply Quilts. And out of the blue, I get a call to go on Simply Quilts in L.A. and um, do it. And and. I had to bring a long arm because I don't know how to domestic machine quilt. Right? So did you actually quilt on the show? Yeah, APQS brought a long arm down to the studio and and they totally supported me doing this and it was really nice and it was um it was so funny because the second I was done with simply quilts, I dreaded my hair. I'm like, and that's and that's the last time I have straight hair. So I just like that was like goal achieved, you know on Simply Quilts. And so I dreaded my hair and I've had dreaded hair ever since. I I chop it off and restart it again like four or five times, but um, I think I'm on my sixth set, but I just love my hair like this. And then, um, uh, so anyway, McTavishing took off. The reason it took off was um, not just because of Simply Quilts, it was because it was different than stippling. It Mm -hmm. was just at the right time. Mm -hmm. And so I've morphed it now from looking like um, cartoon Wonder Woman hair to like scrolls and C shapes and you can add little circles to it. It's really not just my signature stitch. You can do an MC in front of your name or an ING, whatever sounds the best. Everybody's got a little different style to it. And so we've got these DVDs, or I guess they're called streaming videos um, on June 1st. And we've got a basic beginner, advanced and modern. I look forward to that. I'll be watching for that. So we've kind of covered a lot of different areas. What frontiers are out there still, do you think, in quilting? Where are Um, we going next? I'm seeing modern quilting taking the lead with hand quilting. So remember in 1997 when I first started, I got a long arm and people hated it. Mm -hmm. You have to understand machine quilting wasn't a thing. It It was very much seen as an imposter at that point, you know. And just like... Not not likable at all. Um, Carol Byer Fowler was the first 
person to achieve best in show in Houston, or I'm sorry, in, in uh, Paducah, won a best in show on a 100% machine quilted quilt. And she broke the barriers for us. She was the one who took the hits, and I mean hits. Um, you know, it was shocking when she won, and people were not happy. And they let her know to her face. She's the one that really made my life possible. And what year was that? Do you remember mm, or about what year? Early, early 2000s. Okay. So when I started quilting, I got the vibe right away at Quilt Guilds that people hated machine quilting. Remember, I wasn't a quilter before and before I started. So I, didn't, I was just like, wow, I suck. You know, I, I've dedicated like my world to this and they don't want it. So I had to look like a hand quilter. I had to quilt. I never did panographs. I never did all over designs. I had to look like a hand quilter. I had to trick everybody. So I had to do everything. Like I did a ton of stencil work. And so, and then as a result of long arm quilting, it became mainstream. And then, you know, I'd go to quilt shows in 1997 and it'd be 100% hand quilted quilts on display. Right. Now you go to a quilt show and it's very rarely you see a hand quilted quilt, maybe like five of them out of 300. So what's happening is the modern quilt um, movement is taking the lead, bringing that back. So you will have a quilt that is 70% machine quilted, either on a domestic or long arm. And then you'll start to see that DMC thread come back and they're hand quilting after the quilt is machine quilted now that's awesome that's a beautiful thing right there it is. i love that i love that it's called the slow stitching movement i was just going to say that there's a whole trend right now into slow stitching and it involves hand quilting it involves paper piecing or hand yep. piecing in some other way yeah it's a good mm -hmm. thing yeah i love that so that's what i'm seeing right now excellent so what do you see? Do you have something next on your horizon that you'd like to share with our listeners? I am passionately involved in muskie tournament fishing. I am in northern Minnesota, and I'm obsessed. It hit me during COVID, and I bought myself a pedal-driven, with your feet, a pedal-driven fishing kayak. And now I'm as passionate about musky fishing than I am you know just as I am with quilting but all I do every day is think about like musky fishing and it's so dumb it is so weird but I'm 100% hooked and I don't even fish for bass or walleye anymore all I want to do it's like it's like trying to fish for a really like expensive Bigfoot. They're like elusive. You're never going to see one. You're going to fish for a month without seeing any fish. But when you get one, you're just like the joy. I can't even believe that's what's that. So I'm actually um, in a bunch of tournaments this year and I'm fishing all weekend long. After six years, we finally stopped um, being open on a Saturday so I can get out there and be on the water fishing for muskies. And they're about that. They're like four feet long. They could be four feet long. And that's what, that's what I call life work balance right there. I love it. Whole, it's so fun. So I am obsessed with that right now. And that's my, that's what's happening. Yeah. Excellent. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> so well, thanks dumb. so much for joining me today, Karen. This has been really fun getting to know you a bit and we'll talk again sometime.
Thanks again. Thank you for tuning into the show. For information on classes I offer or quilting services, please see my website, stitchedbysusan.com. If you're a long-arm quilter and looking for freehand tips, take advantage of the live and unscripted episodes on my Facebook page, Stitched by Susan. Replays are also available on my YouTube channel, also Stitched by Susan. And if pictures are your preference, check out my Pinterest galleries of edge-to-edge and custom quilting projects. So until next time, may your sorrows be patched and your joys be quilted.